0: Uh, this morning, I just want to uh, let you know you're in for something that's just going to touch your heart in a way you're probably not expecting. We have a guest speaker, but she's no stranger to you. She's my beautiful wife. And uh, she. the thing that drew me to her when we were 15 years old is her love for God. I uh, hadn't seen a young lady that loved God with such purity and honesty as her. And I just fell in love with God through her, to be quite honest with you. And uh, she has never, she just got this simple faith. I love God, and I'm going to do everything in my power to pursue him the rest of my life. It's just, that's who she is, just simple. She encourages me, she encourages us, and uh, she has just been the most wonderful person, and I just feel blessed to be her husband, but this morning, she has got a message, and we talked about preaching this together, and as we prayed, it's like, honey, this is bigger in you, and I want you to give this message with all your heart to us today. So would you welcome the tallest leprechaun in the world, my wife.
1: That is what my button says. I'm the world's tallest leprechaun. Yes, I have Irish in me, and I'm proud of it. (laughs) You got your Bibles? Good. You don't have to worry about what he's doing here. He is a part of my message. Um, I've asked Tom to to help me, and this is going to be a sermon I hope that you never forget. Get your Bible in the air. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I can have. What the Word of God says I can have, I can do. What the Word of God says I can do, and I can be what the Word of God says I can be. Father God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that has been in this place. Father, I thank you that as I submit myself to you, that everything you put on the inside of me would just come out the way you want it to that your anointing would be on me. God, that we would hear your heart this morning. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. 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 Well, I don't have a fancy title, but my title is Contentment. Everybody say contentment. 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 So uh, as he's painting here, uh, where he's going to be painting some of the journey of our life, okay? Okay. So we're on a journey. Every one of us in this room is on a journey in life. And uh, he's going to be painting that journey before us. And we're going to, I'm going to be going back and forth with him a little bit. But I want you to go in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. How can I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again? I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now that I was ever in, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When I was growing up, I lived in a very uh, wonderful home, very Christian. I uh, was raised in church, great home. But I also lived in a very, very strict home. There were a lot of rules, and it's just the way it was. You lived by these set of rules. Um, I wasn't allowed to spend the night at at kids' home. That was just a rule. And I remember by seventh grade pleading, like, all of my friends got to do, go spend the night at friends' house. Why was I not allowed? Uh I wasn't allowed to go to children's church. We are blessed here at IBC. We have children's ministry, you know. In fact, today we've opened up the intermediate. So the intermediate's even having class today. I wasn't allowed to go. There were were reasons that I was to sit in the adult service, and I was to be quiet, and I was to listen. And I would plead, please, all my friends are going. So, but no. Um... Okay, this one's one's just going to probably fool a lot of you. I was not allowed to wear a pair of jeans. Yep, not the only one. Funny, I have white jeans on today. (coughs) Couldn't wear jeans. And I remember also, you know, by the time you're getting to junior high and you're wanting to be accepted and you're wanting to wear the name brand, not only jeans, but I wanted to wear the name brand jeans. I remember begging You don't understand. To be cool, I have got to wear jeans, and not only jeans. But how many remember James Jeans? I'm dating myself. Wow. Come on. Is there any 80s girls in here? Okay. James Jeans were the thing, and I really wanted James Jeans. So I would go around singing a song. Nobody knows the troubles I have. Nobody understands my sorrows. Nobody gets me. They just don't understand. I was a songwriter. Yeah, that one too. So anyway, uh, I had to learn at a young age that I had to be content with where I was at, even though I was in a very, very strict home. Like I said, it was, it was a godly home. It was just extremely strict. And I had to learn the art of what I'm going to give to you this morning about being content in whatever circumstances you are. Um, I, could go, I could tell you stories here all, all morning that would probably crack you up, but I'm not going to do that because I've got a lot to get through. But I want to give you the definition for contentment. The, The definition is the state of being satisfied, ease of mind, feelings of fulfillment, pleasure in the current. Could I find joy in my current situation of very strict rules? Could I still be content with where I was at on the journey of life? On that journey. So, in order to understand contentment, you got to understand what discontentment is. So, I looked up that. You ready? Discontentment is you are dissatisfied. You're dissatisfied with your life. You're restless. You have a restless desire or a craving for someone, for something one does not have. You are craving something you do not have. Are y'all with me? All right, we're going, uh, I want you to look at verse 11. Can you look at verse 11 of where we were? Paul was talking there to the Philippians. He said in verse 11, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. What is in your hand right now? What have you been given? What do you have? Can you be joyful and content with what you have in your hand? Wow, you're all quiet today. I'm either stepping on all your toes or you need more caffeine. More coffee. coffee. Tom's distracting you. Tom's distracting you. It's getting good, isn't it? So we got a mountain going. We got a mountain going. Okay. Um, so, in this contentment, I'm in the middle of reading a book by Charlotte Gamble called Turn Around God. Great book. So, she is talking about believing God for things. Is that a godly thing to do? Yeah. 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 Um, so, when, you, when you're talking about being content and believing God, how do the two come together? And can they come together? Because we already know the scripture, and I'm going to even read more. The scripture says we're supposed to be content. We all already know that the scripture says we're supposed to believe God for things. So how do the two come together? Okay? Uh, when you're believing for things, does it mean you shouldn't believe God for things to turn around? Well, let me just go through some things. What are you believing for personally? Is it, does he, wa- does he want to provide for you according to his riches and glory? Yes. I just read your scripture, so the obvious answer is yes. Okay, let me ask you another one. Does he want to heal you by his stripes? Quoting another scripture, so obviously he wants to heal you. So we know he wants to provide for you. We know he wants to heal you. Um, does he want to protect you under the shadow of his wings? Yes. Another scripture, so yes, you're, you're doing good. Okay, now you're waking up. Does he want to prosper you even as your soul prospers? Yes. Another scripture. Oh, you're good. You're doing good. So those are in the word of God, right? So therefore, you can believe for those things, right? Problem is, sometimes there are things that are not in the word of God that we just want. And we don't want to be content with where we're at. Now, if you need healing in your body, that doesn't mean you're just supposed to be content to be sick, I'm not talking about promises that are laid out for you in the Bible. Those are things that you are a given. They are promises from God. Those are things that the Turnaround God book is talking about, that you need to believe God for certain things. And if if you're in lack, then God says he wants to provide all your needs according to his riches and glory, okay? There are some things that you need to believe God and watch him turn it around, Okay? So how are you supposed to believe God to turn your situation around and yet be content? That's where we're at. One of them is enjoying the journey. Enjoying the journey. Well, how do I enjoy the journey when, you know, life is, life is happening? You know, I'm going to grab one of these. I'm going to grab this one. Got any brown? Yeah. You're going through life and it feels like everything's going pretty good. And then something happens. Slash, you got to back up for a second. You know, you know, it was all going good. And then, yeah, let's make this slash. This is a biggie. This is a biggie. I got taken advantage of. I got a scar. Life was not good to me. This happened. How am I supposed to be content along the journey? And I got a big slash mark in my life. Hmm. Good question, right? God wants us to be content. But does that mean we're supposed to be content when things happen in life? Hmm. I wrote down some things that I think sometimes they happen to us. And they're a slash in our life, and it gets us off course of contentment and where God wants us. My spouse just walked out on me. My loved one is dying. I just lost my child to death. My spouse just shattered his back. I'm being overlooked for the promotion. Somebody else is getting the promotion. I just lost my job. My loved one took their life to suicide. My country is becoming ungodly. I just listed you eight things, but what you don't realize is seven of those eight things have happened in my life. The one that hasn't is my spouse has never walked out on me. We all have a story, and there are slashes that come in life, slash marks on our, on our journey in life. Those are just some slashes that happen in my life, on my journey. 1 Timothy verse, chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. I'm going to read it again. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. When I was uh, young, I heard a story from my mom and dad, and it bears repeating. I'm the youngest of five children. My oldest brother was born in Montana. And when he was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. He was the doctor's first birth. He was the hospital's first child. They were not real experienced. And when this umbilical cord was wrapped around, he went for quite some time without oxygen. As a result of that mistake, my oldest brother, who is still living, is mentally handicapped. My parents were planning on being going to Japan and spreading the gospel in Japan. In fact, when my dad asked my mom to marry her, he said on one condition, you're willing to go to Japan. Child's born and a very very sick child. In fact, so sick that the doctors in Montana said, this is a little beyond us. You need to move to the coast where there's better doctors who can help take care of your child. So not only were my parents not going to Japan, they were moving from Montana to right here. My parents proceeded to raise five children here in North Tacoma. My parents never got to go to Japan. But God, right? That would be a lot of our responses. You said, God, you said, why is this the slash mark on my life? I was headed to Japan. Why would you give me a child? The word says that by your stripes they're healed. I know the doctor's goofed up. I know he didn't have oxygen, but could could you just fix this? This is where a lot of Christians get messed up. And my parents could have got messed up here. I am very thankful that my parents didn't jump ship. Because my life would be very different if they had decided to jump ship from serving God. They had a prime opportunity. Not only were they not headed to Japan, but now they were having a child that was going to live with them the rest of their life. My dad is currently still living. He's 93 years old. My handicapped brother, who is 68, is still living with my 93-year-old father. This was a life-altering slash mark. (laughs) But God can teach us how to have joy in the journey. I cannot tell you what joy my oldest brother brings to each one that he's around, including me. I have learned more from my oldest brother than probably anybody. My brother loves Jesus with all his heart. Things have gotten a little more intense in the latter years with, you know, if you know him, some of you have known him here and it's harder for him to talk. When growing up, he could talk perfect. There was, no, there was no issues. There is some issues now due to some other complications. I've learned so much from him. I've learned you can have joy in any circumstance. I remember conversations in my home with my brother trying to figure out why he couldn't just go do whatever, and trying to reason with someone who was mentally challenged. But I remember the outcome. I remember that my brother decided to live in contentment and joy. He was sad, but he learned that this is something that he was going to have joy in the midst of. My brother fell in love with Jesus, in fact, so much that he would walk the neighborhood and tell people about Jesus. Truman Junior High, there are many students. In fact, there might be some watching me right now. Everybody knew Steve. I mean, everybody. I would go into stores as a child and they'd go, Oh, are you Steve's brother? Oh, we love Steve. Steve's so amazing. Everybody knew Steve. And everybody knew that Steve loved Jesus. He was content. He was content he is still the most joyful person you'll meet. Now, a lot of us in here, you don't have that kind of a life, and yet you can't even get a grip on contentment. I mean, I'm talking real here. I have a brother who has every reason to say, I am not content, this stinks, I hate this. That is not my brother. What he will say is, Jesus loves you. I love Jesus. I want more of Jesus. I love his presence. That's my brother. Wow. He's learned contentment. He's learned joy in the journey. Now, as you're going in life, there's, there's valleys and mountains. <laughs> We're on a path. Okay, back up a second here. This mountain to the right is gonna be our mountain that we're on a journey. You see the path going up? You're on a path, right? First off, do you see this slash mark? What became of that slash mark? Can y'all see that? You can't. Hmm. These over here, might need. we might need to come forward just a smidgey so they can see. Okay, there's that slash mark. Can you hone in on this camera? There's the slash mark in your life, and you might have a few of them, but here's this one. Do you see how that slash mark became a beautiful tree? Wow. There are things in your life, and there are things in my life. I read you off eight things that were really, really tough. But you know, I have learned to make those slashes in my life if I just can get the joy of the Lord, I can be content and grow a tree out of it. When we lost a child, I, I, that was a slash mark in my life. I was believing God for that child. That hurt. That was painful. But I chose to make a tree out of it and to bless a lot of people who have lost children, too. Because there's a lot of women who are hurting who have lost children. I've lost loved ones to suicide. Family members to suicide. Those sting. They hurt. That's a slash. But do you know what? I'm choosing to make a tree out of that too. Because you know how many people I've helped in the process who've lost loved ones? And I actually know what that pain feels like. Now, I can allow a bunch of sticks and slash marks on my journey or I can choose to say I'm going to let the joy of the Lord heal me because those hurt. But I'm going to let God heal my heart and I'm going to be content with where I'm at and I'm going to bless people along my path. That's a path. I'm going to choose to be content along my path. You can go back. Oh, you're right, I got one more. Yep, okay, we gotta show them one more thing. Okay, we're on this journey. We're going up, we're going up, we're going up. And we might, there's valleys here, right down here. You might be in a valley this morning, or you might actually be at the top. Many of you know my husband's climbed Mount Rainier more than once, I mean, to the very top. And the view's amazing. You might be at the top of your mountain. But here's what happens to us when we sometimes get to the top. We look over to another somebody else's mountain and we go, "Oh, I want to be on that mountain. Look at how pretty that is. Look, do you see how lush and green this mountain is? Do you see the beautiful waterfall in it? I want to be on that mountain." I don't want to be on this mountain. I want that one. But this isn't the journey that God put you on. God put you on this one. See, my journey is different than your journey. God didn't put me on your mountain. He put me on my own, my own path. But what happens is we look at somebody else's path and we want what they got hand me my phone? I think it's in the compartment of my purse. The side compartment. Yep. You know it is so easy for us to get off our path of contentment and I see it now more than ever before. You know why this message is so important? Because we now have something called social media and we can scroll And we can be thinking we're doing so good, and we're so happy, and we're so joyful, and then we scroll and go, well, they got to take a cool vacation. I want to go there. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, so-and-so just got a new house. Man, I wish I could have a house. Scroll, scroll, scroll. So-and-so just redid their bathroom. I've been believing God forever to get a new bathroom. Scroll, scroll, scroll. <laughs> Are you following me? Yes. This is our life. Now we have social media and we have more opportunities than ever to be discontent with our life. Is it godly? No! No! Go ahead, go back. <laughs> Many times we just think I'll be happier if I get a new job, I'll be happier if I get a new spouse, not you, baby, (laughs) I'll be happier if I get a house. I'll be happier if I'll be happier if I can get out of this state. Really? I want to get to a, you know, a more whatever state. Really? But God put you in this state, didn't he? Can you be content here? Can you, on your journey in this state, be content? Well, I just am tired of rain and clouds. Really? Okay, then you go to a state that's sunny all the time, and guess what I'm going to hear? Oh, my goodness, it's so hot here. The sun never goes away. We all laugh, but this is real. This is what people do. This, this is, this is life. We're never happy where we are. And this is not what God has designed for us. Okay. We are going to go to second Kings chapter 14. In this chapter, there are two Kings. There's one King of Judah and there's a King of Israel. King of Judah is Amaziah. King of Israel is Jehoash, Jehoash. And, uh, In 2 Kings 14, verse 8, one day, it doesn't say king, but he is the king, one day King Amaziah sent messengers with this challenge to Israel's king, Jehoash, he is the son of Jehoaz and grandson of Jehu, come and meet me in battle. Yeah, I know, that's a lot of fun names, isn't it? But here's what he says. Come meet me in battle. He wants to go to battle with him. Yeah, basically, I'm going to beat you up. Well, the other king, <laughs> which is Jehoash, responds to him, and we're going to go down to verse 10. He says, you have indeed defeated Edom, and you're proud of it, but be content with your victory and stay at home. Why stir up trouble that will only bring disaster on you and the people of Judah? But Amaziah refused to listen. So We're not going to read it all, but here's what happens. Because he refused to be content, he was completely defeated. 600 feet of Jerusalem wall was destroyed. If you read the story, read the story as you go home or or this week. Here's your homework. 600 feet of the Jerusalem wall was destroyed. Silver and gold was taken out of Judah. Precious articles from the temple and the palace were taken. Hostages were taken. See, when you refuse to be content with where you're at, not only are you affected, but those around you are affected. Because he chose to not be content, there were hostages taken and people killed. Okay, we're going to another story in the Bible. Anybody, this is, this is not, normally us preachers, we don't normally go to Numbers or Leviticus. We just, you know, they're just, yeah, they're just kind of there. <sighs> but I'm going to go there. We're going to Numbers. Yeah, we're going to number 16. And how many have ever heard of a, of a person called Korah? Yeah, yeah. It's a fun little story. Korah was a Levi. And we're going to start in verse 1 of verse 16. Can you all hand or handle the Bible right now? Because we're going to read, okay? We're going to read for a little bit because you've got to get the story in you. One day, Korah, son of Ishar, a descendant of Koath, son of Levi, conspired with Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and on, and on son of, yeah, they're just fun names, Peleth, from the tribe of Reuben. Verse 2, they incited a rebellion against Moses, along with 250 other leaders of the community, all prominent members of the assembly. They united against Moses and Aaron and said, You have gone too far. The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord, and he is with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? Verse 4. When Moses heard what they were saying, he fell face down on the ground. Then he said to Korah and his followers, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is holy. The Lord will allow those whom he selects to enter his own presence. Verse 6 Korah, you and all your followers must prepare your incense burners. Light fires in them tomorrow and burn incense before the Lord, and then we will see whom the Lord chooses as his holy one. You Levites are the ones who have gone too far. Then Moses spoke again to Korah, verse 8. Now listen, you Levites, does it seem insignificant to you that the Lord of Israel has chosen you from among all the community of Israel to be near him so you can serve in the Lord's tabernacle and stand before the people to minister to them? Verse 10, Korah, he has already given this special ministry to you and your fellow Levites, and you now demanding the priesthood as well. The Lord is the one one you and your followers are really revolting against. We're going to go down to verse uh, 19. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to the whole community, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, get away from all these people so that I may instantly destroy them. As you continue in the story, Moses and Aaron plead mercy for these people, except for the instigators, but they were pleading for the people of God. Please have mercy. Please have mercy. We're going to verse 31. He meaning that's Moses, had hardly finished speaking the words when the ground suddenly split open beneath them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the men along with their households and all their followers who were standing with them and everything they owned. Oh, my. Aren't you glad you don't live in this dispensation? When God got mad at you, he took care of business. I'm so thankful we live under grace. Thank you, God, for the dispensation of grace. But God God does, does not like discontentment. Okay, we're going down to verse 41. But the very next morning, the whole community of Israel began muttering again. Isn't this crazy? You read it and you're like, they didn't get it the first time? Seriously? The earth opened up and swallowed them? And they began to mutter Again? Against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the Lord's people. Now they're blaming Moses and Aaron. You know, you're the ones who opened the earth and you, you, you swallowed up people, the people of God. So now God sends a plague on the people and Moses and Aaron again intercede and beg God on behalf of the people. You gotta, you gotta just love his heart, right? I mean, Moses and Aaron had a heart for the people because, you know, some leaders might have said, good riddance, right? Verse 48, he, meaning Aaron, stood before the dead and the living and the plague stopped. Verse 49, but 14,700 people died in that plague, in addition to those who had died in the affair involving Korah. Wow. I think it's possible that we might need to learn a thing or two about contentment. This might be a big deal to God. Going back to Paul who wrote Philippians, which I started in, Philippians chapter 4, In verse 9, Paul said, and let me just clue you in. Paul is in prison writing to the Philippi church about contentment. Are you hearing me? He's in prison. And he's telling us to be content. Now, obviously, all of you here are not in prison because you're here. Verse 9, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. I want you to see the word keep putting into, what did it say? Say it again. Keep putting into practice. In order to stay on a contentment road, you've got to practice contentment. Keep practicing it. Do you know that everyone in this room, whether you're the youngest in this room or the oldest, you got to know how to practice contentment because you're going to have an opportunity probably in the next two days to not feel content. And you're going to have to practice it over and over and over again. When I was young, I, uh, I took piano lessons as a little girl. And then again, I picked it up as a teenager. Then and again, as a mom of little kids, I picked it up again. And when I was practicing, I actually could sit down and play, play some songs and sound pretty decent. But when I'm not practicing, <laughs> which is right now, I haven't touched the piano, honestly, in years I'm not going to go over here and start playing the piano because I'm out of practice. I don't remember. I mean, I remember some chords, but I'm not going to play you a beautiful song because I'm out of practice. If you don't practice contentment, you're going to get out of practice and you're going to find that you're living in what we call dissatisfaction. You're constantly dissatisfied. Dissatisfied. You're constantly not at ease with where you're at in life. You're constantly wanting the other mountain somebody else is on. Contentment brings peace. Verse 9 said that. Contentment brings peace. Okay, I need you to back up. At 3 o'clock this morning... I, was, I had a very, very vivid dream, and I was awoken, and I knew this dream was for this message. In my dream, I saw this painting. I saw the two mountains. I saw it all. I saw the path, and on that path of life, I saw a big rock. Now, some of you over there, if you can't see it, you'll, you can look after service if you can't see it. Cameras, can you zoom in on that rock right there? There's a big rock on that path. And behind that rock are little rocks. And it's kind of on a slant there. And in my dream, I saw this big rock begin scooting. And pretty soon, I saw an avalanche and debris everywhere. And I woke up. And I knew I had had a dream from God, and I got out of bed, and I said, God, show me what that meant. And God said, the rock is the believer. The big rock is where I have placed you on the path. And the little rocks are other believers who are depending on you to stay firm and not get dissatisfied with where you're at. And as soon as you, as the big rock, decide, I'm not satisfied, I want to move, I want somebody else's journey, I want want to do something else, I don't like this, and as soon as they begin scooting themselves in discontentment, all these other rocks that are counting on them are going to fall too, and there will be an avalanche. Would you stand to your feet? Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for the word of God where you have been specific with us. You don't take this lightly. You want us to be content on the journey you have placed us. You want us to get our eyes off others and what journey they're on. You want us to get our eyes off what others have or don't have. You want us to be content with what gifts you've given us. Father, teach us. Show us. I got one more illustration. Open your eyes. You might be on your journey, and I might look at how he can just play so pretty, and he can just flow. He doesn't even have music in front of him. I could be like, I want to be like that. I want to be on the platform. I want to play the piano like him. You know, there's people up here singing so beautifully. Karina, you might be like, but I want to sing like she does. God, I I, want to be up on the platform. I think I got a decent voice. Can I be like her? Man, the cameraman, what a what a cool job that is. Nobody asked me to be on the camera. I wanna be a cameraman. I wanna push, bu- I wanna go back there and push buttons. I'll be happy if I can just push a bunch of buttons back there, that looks cool. I wanna, I wanna be the preacher. I want to be up here. I want, to, I want to deliver the message. I'm good. The Holy Spirit is begging you this morning, do not move your rock of the journey that God has placed you on because other people are depending on you. You are their rock. You just don't see it. This rock doesn't know that all these people are depending on him to stay solid in the giftings and the callings that God has called that rock to. You are a rock in Christ Jesus who is the ultimate solid rock. He is the cornerstone. He's solid. And when you graft yourself into the solid stone of Jesus Christ, he's got you. He's got you. He's got your journey. Let's close our eyes before God. If you're not right with God and you're just, you're like, you know, pastors, I I, I hear you, but I'm not, I'm discontent simply because God is not number one in my life. Then guess what? Today's your day. Today is your day if you're watching me, and God is not number one in your life. Then let's take care of that first. He's got to be number one. He's got to be center of your life. You say, to me. Raise your hand. Come on. I want to see it. Yes, I see it. Yes, I see it. Yes, I see it. Those of you watching right now, is God not number one? Church, would you just bow your heads with me? If you're watching online, come on. Kneel before God, just you and God right now. Maybe you're driving your car listening to me right now. Don't close your eyes, but you can make a commitment right now. Just repeat this simple prayer after me, everyone in this room. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that forgives me where I've gotten off the path. You are not in my life. You're not number one, but I choose today to make you Lord and Savior, completely in charge. I surrender to you, and I thank you that today I'm a new creation. Old has passed away. All has become new in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed. Those who are watching. Are you content? Are you content? Because God's asking you a question. Are you gonna enjoy where I put you? Are you gonna live your whole life in discontentment? I want the joy of the Lord to truly be in every part of your life, even the slash marks that happen. All over this room, you're saying God's speaking to me and I want to make a commitment to change my outlook. Would you raise your hands towards heaven? I'm changing my outlook. Yes, yes, hands all over. I'm changing my outlook. I'm changing how I see it. Father God, I thank you for these many hands all over this room, including my own. And I thank you for the journey you have me on. I thank you, Father, for the contentment that I choose to live in. I choose to live in your peace, in your joy, and be happy every minute of it. God, I commit to you not to be looking at somebody else's mountain and wishing I was on that one. God, forgive me where I have fallen short. Forgive me. And may I choose to live the life that you have given me with purpose. May I not shift the rock so that there's not an avalanche. God, I stay where you've told me to stay. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, start talking to God for yourself. Oh, I thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, I thank you for the journey you've put me on. Come on, begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. He longs to hear you thank him. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the gifts and the talents you have been given. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, thank you, Father God. Glory to God. Glory to God.
0: Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah
1: hallelujah hallelujah open your eyes say god is good all the time and all the time god is good